Station. I can't get no call to action, but I try and I try and I try and I try. Hello and welcome to Call to Action, the go-to podcast for anyone trying to make sense of the world of marketing, advertising and beyond. In an industry that is a minefield of utter bollocks, we aim to capture our heroes and allies from the front line to have a chinwag with. It's like Pokemon Go, with the single but vital exception that it's not a short-term bandwagon of shite. It's brought to you by Gasp, and I'm Giles Edwards, co-founder and MD. Today, I've caught Gavin Strange. Director and designer for Ardman Animations, the Academy Award-winning studio behind Wallace and Gromit. Gavin is a self-proclaimed maker of noise who runs on fuzzy, fizzy energy. It's probably easier to ask what Gavin does not do, as he is a sucker for a side project, by night working under the pseudonym of Jam Factory. He is also an author, speaker, toy inventor, and Art Ninja's sidekick in CBBC. Gavin says, me and Beyonce are time buddies. She's a genius, an incredible woman and does amazing things, but she still has the same amount of time in a day that I do. Welcome to the show, Gavin. Wow, what an intro, flipping heck. How do I I ever live up to that? Thank you very, very much for having me. Right, seven quick fire questions, Gavin. Mac or PC? Mac. Dogs or cats? Dogs for sure. Jam or marmalade? Jam, absolutely, hands down. Toy Story or Despicable Me? Oh, it's a tight one, but Toy Story edges it. Stop motion or CGI? Oh, my days, what an inflammatory question. Both. Caps or beanies? Caps, all day. Right, and lastly, Wallace or Gromit? Oh my God, are you trying to get me fired? (laughs) It has to be Gromit. It has to be Gromit. Brilliant. Uh, So Gavin, um, what was your first job and how did you get into design and animation, assuming that wasn't your first job? My My first ever, ever, ever job was working in a, in a used car parts shop in Leicester when I was about 14 or 15 back then where you didn't have to be old enough to to actually have a job and my lasting memory is that I was so rubbish the boss would regularly throw car parts at my head because <laughs> I, I just didn't understand any of the job but that's not a creative job wow. um, yeah man it's thinking back a the fact that I was underage no one cared about that did they you just you just did yeah. you just did the work but the, I was just I I would be giving a filing system based on the part numbers and I would have to put them back but I just simply did not understand but I was too shy and too scared to ask so I would just guess and just put them in places and I only worked on a Saturday so the guy who owned the store clearly would have to use it the rest of the week and would find just this mad crap everywhere and and he would just have it out at me on me uh, every Saturday so um so yeah so the HR car department. Up for me. oh man yeah the HR department was him shouting angrily at me um uh, but that was not my my first my first creative job was when I was was well I wasn't even 18 I just 
I would turn 17, was just about to finish up two years of college, um, a, a BTEC in graphic design at the at Southfields College, which is now, uh, I think, Leicester College, uh, where I'm from in the Midlands. And yeah, basically, long, very long story short is I got a job as a junior graphic designer at a small design agency called Kristen Davis, um, based in, in Leicester in the Midlands. And I was thrilled. I was over them. I could not believe that I could be in the industry. I was just so just enamored with the whole process. I couldn't even believe, you know, a couple of years prior to that, when I started college, it was, I did it because I was interested in art and design and I love the way things look. I just, no one had ever explained to me or showed me the path of graphic design. I didn't really know. I knew I enjoyed it and got a fuzzy, fizzy energy from it, but I didn't know how it worked. So the fact that a couple of years later I could be a part of it, it just blew my mind. So yeah, that was my that was my first ever experience in the industry. And what kind of work would you do there? Oh man, we do all sorts really. So so when I joined, I I, I did two years as a graphic designer at, at college, but I didn't go to university because well, simply put, it wasn't for me. I just I didn't I didn't want to go. I just didn't. Um, I don't drink or smoke or party, and I thought that is all it was. And so I thought, why? would I do that? <laughs> so I didn't get you. I wish I could tell you it was a big grand decision, but it was sort of almost like, oh, I'm scared of that. So I don't want to do that. Um, I thought I could, I could and should pursue something in the industry. And, and the sort of work we do was, was all sorts. So I joined as a junior graphic designer, um, but this was in 2000. And there was this thing called new media. It wasn't even called digital or interactive design. It was new media. And we had, we had a, and I'm doing bunny ears here, we had a new media department. And that was one funny, weird dude sitting in an office and called Nathan. And everyone was a bit like, we don't really know what Nathan does, but he runs a new media department. <laughs> and because I was such an excited, impressionable young ute, my my boss said, do you fancy being an, a, a junior graphic designer or do you fancy being a junior web designer? I was like, no way. Uh, and I tinkered around on the internet in my, in my own time, just playing. I just was, I got my first PC when I was 16. I saved up and bought this very old secondhand PC from a mate. And I was just sort of fascinated with all of it, really. I just wanted to tinker and play. I loved computers and technology growing up, but we never really had it. We were, you know, just a regular working class family. So we didn't really have anything expensive. So when I sort of had my own machine, I just was obsessed with it and I would tinker. I learned that you could build your own website using Microsoft Word, which I do not recommend to anyone at all, but you can do it, it is possible. So I tinkered with the web and, and sort of, once I got offered the position of, oh, do you wanna be a junior web designer? I said, yeah, yeah. Didn't really know what it meant at all. So um, so I would do everything and anything. I We would make small websites for clients. They were, predominantly small businesses or medium and large size businesses in the Midlands, um, uh, Transco Gas, um, Hillary's Blinds, you know, all sorts of stuff. And I didn't care because the world of Nike, Adidas, um, Apple, obviously Apple wasn't even a big thing back then, you know, the, the world of these blue chip clients, that never occurred to me. That, And I think that kind of can be misleading because the majority of people get in the creative industry you'll never touch that stuff because because it, it also felt untouchable how could a, a young person like me ever get that into that world you know I was just thrilled and stoked that 
I could make a living being creative. So we would do all sorts of things for all sorts of people, but it was such a small team. There was two full-time graphic designers with a creative director in the graphic design department. And then there was my boss, Nath, head of new head of new media and me as a junior you know we were very new to because it was a new you know it was it was new as a commercial business so we just sort of found our way working on all sorts of stuff and, and the stuff i could work on was very much you know based on what my experience was and you know i was brand new to the game so but i would just take hold and grab anything that i could and would just love the learning process so it was a real a real big variety in terms of the sort of work that we were doing back then yeah, and it's, it's nice to hear, I think um, we've touched on this, you and I, before in the past, but it's, it's nice to hear that you went a different route than what is most people's default of assuming they need to go to uni and they need a bit of paper that, that suggests they've got qualifications to do X rather than just getting involved in the industry and learning as you go and just throwing yourself into it. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think now more so than ever, I think really is it is about the work. That, and we're so fortunate that in this industry, it is about what you've done. It is my boss here once said, you're only as good as your last piece of work. You know, it, it is about the visual stuff that you have made. And it doesn't really matter when or why you made it. I totally get that maybe in an alternate university, I might have gone to university. Uh, I might have gone for further education and, and I would have learned things in a different way. But learning on the job, and I got so lucky that Nath, my boss, was such an advocate of well look you basically was like you basically need to get better and the only way you're going to get better is by doing so we would do stuff during the day i would learn how to build websites design websites make graphics make banners you know animate in flash because it was such a tiny team we sort of had to do it all and so i i would dip my hands in lots of different programs but basically he he encouraged me to look you know this is what you've learned during the day you need to tinker with this more in your own time and it was him that gave me the confidence and the idea to to start what is jam factory i basically needed us an online space to learn what to practice what i was learning during the day and he says look just get yourself a domain name this is where you go to get a domain name you know just think of an alter just think of a space and use it to, to develop mm. and so so i loved alter egos and i always have i love masks and alter egos and, and 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 sort of people putting out work under different names and at the time i was really into one two three clan and designers republic and too advanced and k10k like all of these cool names and yeah i just wanted a cool alter ego too but i couldn't think of one so i just thought of jam factory <laughs> Um, and, and that's kind of our site. So, so much, so much of what, well, actually all of what I do today, all of how I, op I operate is thanks to that opportunity of you're only going to learn on the job and you're only going to get better by doing it and doing it more and doing it again and doing it better and doing it different and getting it wrong, you know. And so I, I just have such fond memories and I'm so appreciative and grateful for all of those people that, that took a chance on a, you know, a 17 year old kid. And did you think, well, presumably first that you didn't get car parts thrown at you by Nathan, so I imagine that helped. No, that was, he was a lot, he was a lot calmer. You know, don't get, don't get me wrong. I was a, I was a kid and, you know, I, I did, I did make some, some big monumental screw ups. There's a, um, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's the same now, but uh, we did a lot of work for a building society and it is a legal responsibility for a building society to have its, its figures and its data um, up to date. And for the first time ever, I was allowed to update and FTP the changes to the website. I'd never been allowed to do that. And I was so excited. And he was like, you, you can do it, man. You, you can do it. And I vividly remember feeling so proud that I made these changes, uploaded it to the website. 
And then it was a Friday night. I also remember that. I went into... Um, That's a worst time to update a website. Oh, man. Yeah, like <laughs> an update, push an update at uh, like five to five on a Friday. But I did it and I was so proud of myself because someone had given me their trust. You know, that's why it made such a big difference is because this person had decided to trust me. Um, and that was a mistake because then about 15 minutes later, we were all hanging out in the main area of this design studio and Nathan grabs me and he's like, I need to talk to you. And basically I'd screwed it up and got the data wrong and uh, the client was on the phone and I'd made a massive mistake. And, you know, back then it was all HTML tables and manually inputted data. There's no CMS. It was, it was all done. And, and, oh, I just remember feeling... So, you know, when you know, like when you get told off at school and you have that gut punch yeah. feeling and you just feel like, I feel like I did something right and then I did it really wrong. Oh, man, I will never, ever forget that. Um, so, you know, but these, you know, I never, I didn't get, I didn't make that same mistake twice. I sort of learned to double and triple check and stuff like that. So, you know, these things are, are huge learning curves, aren't they? And I'm, I am still so, so grateful for all of that. I, I often can't, I can't believe I am where I am. Well, let's jump straight there then. So, so you are at Ardman. I mean, physically now you're at Ardman. I am indeed. Ardman rightly has has a kind of legendary status, certainly in the creative world, and you know, even more so in the animation world. What's that like? What's it like working at Ardman? And what does that? What does it mean? What does it? What do you do? I mean, I, I think it conjures up so many ideas of of amazing plasticine models and crazy pixel art and animations and CGI and all sorts of weird and wonderful magical things. Is that what it's like? Oh, no, man, it's awful. It's so oppressive. I cry <laughs> on a daily basis. No, <laughs> no oh, honestly, it's so difficult to put into words how exciting and wonderful this place is. And that's for a huge number of reasons. I mean, the first thing is just how diverse and, and, and varied the work is here. So it's known for clay and plasticine and, and physical model making, but there's so many different facets. We have an incredible CGI team. We have an amazing technology team. We have an amazing interactive team. So we, you know, we'll make everything from commercials to short films to VR experiences to video games to clay characters to all sorts of stuff. So I'm sort of constantly in awe of the the huge group of excited people that are here and like the amount and the amount of people to to work from you know to work from and learn from is just uh, astonishing uh, you know and i feel so lucky and fortunate to be here and to call these people my friends and to, to call them my peers and it's also the culture that pete and dave the two co-founders have, have created really the company's over 40 years old the guys met when they were at school and they literally started experimenting with animation on their kitchen table and they've built a business from it this is their baby and then you know fast forward 40 years we the, the company's now employee owned dave and pete gave the company to us the employees which is amazing as well so we all have a stake in this this place and and that that is just sort of a testament to the attitude and the like the the feel of it and i can't it feels you know i hope it doesn't sound like this is fake like this is so absolutely genuine like i have such a thrill coming here because it is genuine dave and pete and Nick Park, who's also a director of the company, he, you know, they're always around. It's not like this phantom organisation, this phantom uh, upper management. We're all mates here and we all chat and there's no hierarchy in the sense of, well, you can't do this or you can't do that. You know, it's a genuine shared 
passion for making lovely stuff, making interesting stuff, making different stuff. So, you know, the fact that I started my career as learn on the job, you will get better as you do, you will learn from others. The fact that I then managed to find myself at a place that has a legacy it has of, you know, plasticine and clay and, and physical creations and tactility, but it's also about trying new mediums, trying new things, trying new everything. And and I'm still making that my role. That That is just flipping it you know it, it is my it is it does boggle my it does boggle my mind it really does I love it and that and that legacy you reference and um I think the association most people would make with Ardman is is one of of stop frame very classic animation how has how has technology affected the industry and, and Ardman specifically have have pixels started taking over or is it still very much true to its roots I think it's a blend between them, you know, really like everything. It's you need to diversify and 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 plasticine and clay is Arban's heritage. But even back then when Dave and Pete started it, they were doing paper cut animation and clay and live action. And you know, so it's always had its its history. Its breakout successes were clay, but even them, you know, there was uh, as as you know, the films like uh, Pirates uh, in Adventure with Scientists. That is an amazing mix of stop frame animation and three D printing and beautiful CGI water. You know, so it's always been a bit of a combination. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't think everyone knows that about Arben, the sort of the, the variety. So plasticines and pixel have just like naturally evolved together. And, and it's awesome having that heritage because it is very special walking down to model making and seeing things have a tactile nature. I, I love that we can flip flop between both, and especially me, who who is a digital person, started as a graphic designer, as an interactive designer. And then also, you know, whilst I've been here, I've transitioned to being a director. You know, I love bringing all these elements together. And it's like anything, it's a tool for the job. You know, what, what's right? What's right to, to get the right tone or to get the right emotion or to get the right look? You know, sometimes it's clay. Sometimes it's 3D printed plastic. Sometimes it's 2D motion graphics. Sometimes it's a clever bit of type. So for me, as a person that's excited on, excited on all different types of mediums, oh, man, it's just like the best playground because... Because no one's, it's not like, oh, you dare to stray away from stop frame. No, not at all. If anything, it's, it's the opposite. It's encouraged that, there, that we could try and should try all different types of techniques. And it's just awesome that we've got, you know, stop. Because it is very, animation is very special. You're seeing something come to life before your very eyes that is inanimate, you know, whether that's in flash or whether that's in dragon frame because you're shooting on the stop floor and manipulating a puppet frame by frame. You know, I, I love that. I get very excited on the mixed variety of stuff happening there. So it's lovely that plasticine and pixels are basically, you know, sort of intertwined hand in hand going forward. I think that's really exciting. Yeah. And I like the fact you you called it a tool for the job, because I think um, certainly in more so our side of, of the creative world, I think people are, are easily fall into the trap of just designing straight onto computer without actually using the computer as a tool to achieve whatever it is they're doing. And that can start from anywhere. That can start from just sketch pads and notebooks and, and whatever it might be. It's, and you know, just literally, just before I, I came in and spoke to you, Giles, a, a fellow director who's, who sits on the desk opposite, he's developing a, a, a very big idea, a very grand idea. And, and he's, he's a, 
he works in all sorts of different mediums, predominantly digital often, but he has skills in all sorts of areas. And he's developing this character and he's just got a bunch of clay. He's right now sculpting a character that existed in 3D and he's sort of tweaking it and now making it as a sculpt to sort of start conversations. And it's a me- you know, it's awesome seeing that different, me- you know, him using a different medium and, and, and bringing things to life and just whatever is appropriate really and i think that's that's really exciting and and again for me i joined Ardman as an interactive designer i joined as a senior interactive designer so i've sort of jumped lanes or or, or added strings to my bow as as i've been here and you know the our the interactive department is 11 years old i it, it, it maybe 12 now actually because it was it was new as i started you know, and we were a very small group and then we've expanded because the medium has expanded in, in a decade. You know, of course, VR, AR, video games. You know, we started making Flash games and HTML games. That was our DNA as a department. And then we last year released a, a full um, console game for Xbox and PS4 and PC, and all done in, in Unity. So, you know, it's nice that I feel like our small team that was within Auburn has also grown as the world's grown, you know. And again, that just plays into this very natural let's make something great attitude that sort of is pervasive in this place and that that is why I feel so damn lucky because I think flipping it you know I could I could I, can't, I just can't believe I'm here to be honest, <laughs> I, I love it I really do that's good that's good to hear it's good to hear so so then how do um I wonder how the uh, the, the characters so you've got some really long-standing characters so so um one example morph so so morph is He's in his forties, well into his forties, I believe. Is that right? Forty-two-ish. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so what's Morph like nowadays? He's getting long in the tooth. He's like a, he's like he's got infinite energy. I think that's what I love about Morph. He's just and he's he's so. I think what's so great about Morph is when Pete and, and Dave first started creating him. You know, he he's called Morph for a reason because he morphs into different shapes and objects and characters, right? Um, but also, he doesn't have an armature inside him. A lot of stop frame puppets, to be able to manipulate them and for them to stand up, they have physical metal skeletons inside them. But Morph doesn't, and he doesn't because of the style, but also back then it was just Pete and Dave creating this. And, and engineering small metalwork is very difficult. So they didn't give him an armature. You know, that was a a product of its time. So I love that it's sort of like anything, it's a creative solution, you know, they wanted to bring a character to life and the best way is with a pure lump of clay, you know, with, with orange and white and black, they could create a full living, breathing set of characters. I like that that, it, that simplicity is just kept, you know, he hasn't advanced anymore. If, if you meet Pete Lord, he's a lovely human, he can sculpt a morph in front of your very eyes and he doesn't really need to look in about 20 minutes. He can just take a lump of clay and he'll just, you know, you'll be talking to him and he'll be looking you in the eyes and he'll just be sort of fiddling with his hands and, and then, you know, at the end of it, he can just hold his hand out to you and there's a, a standing morph. That's really, really cool. I, I love that. So I, again, I love that some stuff has, you know, advanced and we've used technology and, and developed things more, but also you know, again, where appropriate and where right, these things are simple and honest and earnest. And I love that. I really, really love that. You mentioned about Morph having, um, I think you said infinite energy. I think it would be fair, and I've heard people remark similar things about about you, that you've got either infinite energy or, as I said in your intro, you've got a great line that you like to talk about with Beyonce being 
being time but incidentally I'm also a time buddy with Beyonce I don't want to make things awkward <laughs> between us but but it's a great way of putting it and 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 I think you achieve so much clearly at Ardman but equally in Jam Factory which you touched on very briefly before so that's that's a message that I've heard you say in your talks and I've heard you mention it on interviews elsewhere can you share the meaning behind that and 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 why you like to uh, to talk about the amount of time in a day well i think i think it's i think the hardest thing especially but just in life to to, to do passion projects or to do anything out of your sort of new, normal hours is so difficult it shouldn't be underestimated just how difficult it is to find not only find the t- not only find the literal hours of which to do something it's to find the headspace to do it it's to find the energy to do it you have to have all of these things line up which is incredibly difficult but at the same time this is life this is reality there's nothing you can do to escape from it and i think as soon as you start taking a step back to get perspective you have to stop at some point and go well I either try and achieve something or I don't. There's, there's a million different reasons why you shouldn't do something or you can't do something. You just have to sort of look at your own situation and just try and find a way because it ain't going to change at the end of the day, really, you know, and, and it is different for everyone. I'm really adamant to there is no one solution to prescribe to everyone. It's simply not happening. It would be arrogant of me to even suggest that. I can only share my path my way of doing things at my current point in my life and my situation. That's all we can do. You know, there's, I don't think we should profess, well, you've got to do this. You've got to work 23.5 hours a day and sleep for half an hour and get up at four. No way, man. That, that might work for some. It might also, actually will also not work for others. So I think it's about just sort of taking the time to uh, observe your own situation and work out what you what you could possibly do but then also just finding solace finding finding a, a, a some calmness in well you know that person that i love and look up to is is doing what i want to do and you know try and find common ground the common ground is we all have the exact same amount of time sure beyonce has assistance and help and money and all of these things but at the same time it's like how many steps do you have to be removed to to, to go well that you know Beyonce can only do it because she has an assistant of course yeah sure that's true but also um Tommy Triple Hats down the road who you also love and look up to doesn't have all that but they're making it happen so how are they doing it okay you know you just have to be kind to yourself I think at some point and go okay like let's just find a positive let's find a positive in every situation and go okay well I've got the same amount of time so I'm going to make it work for me you know there's there is uh, so many different things that you can find in it you can nitpick and go well they've got that and that's why they can do it or they've they do have this or don't have this. They don't have eight kids. I do. Of course, that's true. But that's why you just have to be kind to yourself in that current, you know, time and your current situation and just try and find make things to help you do what you want to do. Because at the end of the day, nothing else is going to happen. You're in control of your own. That's all you're in control of, your own time and your own life and your own energy. You kind of can't concern yourself with other people unless it is taking the positives from them and taking things to help motivate you. Don't sort of take the things that will just send you further down a spiral of, oh man, I can't do it then, you know. And it's a really delicate, difficult process. This is a thing, it's emotional and it's exhausting and it's and it is it is a difficult process. But man, you just you gotta try, haven't you? Because otherwise the only the only other thing is not trying. That's it. 
<laughs> really? Yeah, the other thing I've heard you say on this, actually, which I really like, is is advising people treat their goals like a game and identify the easy levels. You know, whatever whatever it takes, just sort of just start moving, start doing. Oh, God, yeah, low-hanging fruit, whatever you want to call it, just anything. Pick the easiest stuff, anything to gather momentum because once you've got momentum, it gets a lot easier to gather more. And I think... Yeah, I think that's it. Just do something for five minutes and it gives you that, you know, that little burst of positivity, that little inner feeling of, oh, I did that. You know, you might surprise yourself at what you can do in five minutes or you might surprise yourself at, oh, I just gave it a shot. And it actually it sent me in a, you know, just take a step forward, even if it's a shuffle forward, it's forwards. You know, it's, it's a forwards direction. So I just think you have to use every tip and trick possibly to convince yourself that you can do it <laughs> yeah and and that advice of just saying yes is is you know sounds so trivial and simple and I suppose it could sound silly to some but it's so, it's so significant because I imagine and I'm you know potentially putting words in, in your mouth here but I imagine when you started and you used to work alongside Nathan you never thought you would I don't know design toys or end up on CBBC or you know all these crazy things must have happened in part just to that willingness to chuck yourself in and, and do stuff Oh, absolutely. And they only happened because I tried. I was never really a per I, I honestly never thought much of myself and not in a, not in a, oh, listen to me, in a genuine, you know, I grew up uh, a very average with very average grades. I never, there was never any reason to expect I would have a dream job or anything like that. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a sob story. That's just a, I never thought I could. And it was only by taking really small steps outside my comfort zone of going, oh, Maybe I, maybe I could then, you know, because no one told me I couldn't. I thought, oh, okay, I'll just try. And, you know, I, I tried and, and went out on a limb and, and got a little bit of reward in the way of, oh, I surprised myself of what could happen. You know, you then just multiply that effect. So you, you take a bigger step and you go, oh, okay. And just, you know, it was just a very gradual sort of, oh, maybe I'll just try then, especially in the creative industries. Aside from the risks of... Um, you know, maybe needing to bring home the bacon and maybe needing, you know, to, to earn enough to survive. You know, aside of that, these risks, it's not like you're going to kill yourself or you're going to die. It's not physical risk. You know, it is more risk of where you're spending your time and energy. And once I felt like, oh, OK, there's not an awful lot that can go wrong apart from maybe a waste of time and nothing learned is a waste of time, I, I don't believe. So I just thought, oh, just just go. And it's just been a like a process of just pushing and pushing and seeing seeing how how far I could take it really yeah and it is that fear preventing you isn't it I, I think more so maybe at an early age there's we'll pose this question to you later on in, in in this episode but we've had an answer previously by um Frederick Halberg who's a wonderful wonderful marketer from from Sweden and, and his advice to his younger self was just to stop worrying about things so much or making mistakes because when you're in that context and in your headspace again more so I think when you're younger starting out is is you genuinely think it's going to be the end of the world um this big dramatic catastrophe and actually it never is I mean yeah Nathan might be cross with you or someone might throw a car part at you but I mean that's not acceptable let's not trivialize that but, <laughs> but actually the world didn't end and you know you may have learned something and you may have improved and and I think that's this this whole letting go of that fear is is, is significant in people's lives yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's it's also then not to be trivialised, is it? Of that that like that fear is real. It is genuine. It is. It can manifest itself in so many different ways for so many different people. 
it, that's why it is really hard to go because it's not like a logical step. It's not like, well, if you just step on that box, it's not, it kind of isn't like a video game in that way. It's like, well, no, because it's all difficult and complex and emotional and I'm battling my own thoughts and my own insecurities and my own inadequacies. But then it, that's the thing. If you then just try and game, gamify it and you just try and think, oh, just just do anything you can to try and overcome that that emotional hurdle that's when it does feel like oh you just i think you get such an immediate response because it is something so personal and emotional that you do get real time feedback because your your feelings dictate that to you so if you can just try and again use any tip or trick you can to to go forwards that's the thing it is just so damn difficult because it is just so flipping emotional you know tied to you as a human being how you how you operate and that i've also realized this is a lifelong pursuit that will never get easier it will it might the opportunity you might understand patterns in yourself more but something will change you know five minutes or five years down the line and you'll have a new hurdle of how to go forward and you'll have more responsibilities and more things to risk because you have to provide for a family or or a loved one or whatever it is you know so it's just sort of identifying that okay I know that in my life, there will always be things to worry about. There will always be things I have to worry about myself. And I will always be feeling like I'm not good enough. Cool. If that's the ground, that's the, the ground rules. Okay, let's go forward. Let's, let's try, you know? Yeah. And then um, talking about, well, two things. Firstly, that release that you talk about, just letting go of that. And also uh, motivations of why you do stuff. I know you're a big fan of doing silly things. And is that presumably that's under the guise of, of, of or, or pseudonym of Jam Factory, as well as in, you know, your professional paid for working life at Ardman? Yeah, I mean, I look, I think I've always gravitated towards silly stuff. I just think there's so much darkness in the world on a, on a base level. There's so much darkness. I just want to inject a bit of fun and a bit of want to make people smile or at least make people feel something you know feel as i feel like it's a very privileged role as a creative in whatever field that we're in to to actually be able to emotionally impact people that's amazing that's very fortunate so i kind of want to make people feel good stuff um and also i mean yeah definitely you know charm and humor is just part of arbon's dna as well and you know just they always want to make people laugh and or just make people feel something so i feel like this is such a natural bedfellow for me to be here um, and to be around people that I can learn from about how to uh, tell a better story, you know, create a, a, a powerful character. And, and yeah, I just love, I just love fun stuff. And actually, I'm finding out more and more about myself as I get older and as I create more. I am learning who I am and actually what I'm gravitating towards. You know, in the past couple of years, as I was made an official director here, as I'm taking on projects and you're forced to be more introspective about who you are and what your sort of unique proposition is, is why someone should hire you as a director to create something for them. You know, you do end up looking at yourself and what you make and, you know, I'm discovering patterns and where I previously never thought I had a style. I, I used to get quite sad that I don't have a distinctive style, but maybe I don't have a style, but I definitely feel like I have a pattern, you know, and it is hopefully fun and energy and, hopefully impact and stuff like that so so yeah it's it's sort of learning you know i think this whole creative journey is just about learning yourself and it also sorry just to go off on it not even a tangent but you know there's so much out there of there's so many people telling you how you should or shouldn't live your life and this is the best way to be happy and successful and i mean i wrote a damn book on it but it really is my own experience and opinion and it's up to an individual to 
decide what parts they take from that and go, yeah, I agree with that. And what parts they go, absolutely not. That is fundamentally wrong to me. And I hate you. I do not agree. You know, that uh, it's it's about you as an individual filtering stuff out, I guess, you know, deciding what noise you're going to listen to and let in and what what you're not. And that's that's a wonderful thing as as well you know i, I want to be a realist about this this stuff because it is hard and it's difficult and it is emotional and it all is all the things that we spoke about and you know there's no sort of i don't know you can't sugarcoat it it's complicated and it's difficult and i don't know my someone once described the book i wrote as it's a self-help book for people who flipping hate self-help books and i love that and so yes i'd I'd agree with that (laughs) it was never intended to be like that but um you know because i would never want to prescribe a certain way and i guess just by you know what we're doing right now but just by talking and extrapolating those feelings uh, and thoughts on a creative career that's how you can other people can gain stuff that's how i can gain stuff isn't it by saying it out loud you go oh Okay, maybe that is how it works, or maybe not, you know. I don't know. What do I know, Giles? I know nothing. I don't know. I'm digging. I'm trying to find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's it. It's going to be a lifetime of digging, isn't it? And I think when you, make, when you make peace with that and go, okay, that is what it is. That's the thing. But the answer, funny enough, we actually made this point in a, in a new biz, completely unrelated new biz meeting earlier where I was talking about the answer is actually the process. It's not what is the answer to this. It's, it's all a process. So the answer will reveal itself, but not until you've done that process. And I think that's probably true of what you're what you're saying is it is it's that ongoing constant cyclical, isn't it? It's just an yeah. ongoing thing. Um, I do want to dig into the book more specifically, and I also wanted to talk to you about your favourite project. But before we do, you talked there about um, wit and uh, humour being part of Ardman's DNA, and I think it's fair to say it's you know a thread that follows into a lot of your work as well. Specifically mentioned about how you make people feel something. There's a, an inspirational woman that um, I imagine a lot of our listeners are, are familiar with, Maya Angelou. And without necessarily knowing it was a quote of hers, I have used her stunning quote, which is, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will, f- will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel, which I think is true and, and certainly an argument for for the, the power of humour and wit. But you worked on a film for BBC Radio 4 as a celebration in, in, in many ways of hers. So, so what was that like and what did that mean to work on that film? Oh, man, I mean, first of all, that quote is wonderful. That is probably one of my favourite Maya Angelou quotes. It's just so perfect as well. And she's, I mean, it was an incredible dream job. So the, so the job was, for the, for the listeners, it was a, a film to celebrate a series of radio programmes about the incredible Maya Angelou. Um, she is such a, 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 a just mind-boggling force of nature really that was the best way to describe her uh, and what she did in her lifetime and the film was to go online to uh, just sort of educate people on just what an incredible human being she was she sadly passed away and it was to just yeah support this this wealth of content these series of radio plays that were dramatizations of her life on BBC Radio 4 and it was just oh man it was just and that was my first official directorial gig at Ardman. I've made lots of films over the years, but that was my first when I was signed as a director. And I just thought, man, this is amazing because because basically how what I did was because there are so many different facets to her. She was an activist, a writer, an author, a director, a singer, a dancer. 
Oh man, I'm sure I'm missing some. She she basically was the ultimate polymath, and I adore polymaths. I'm fascinated by people who have many many strings to their bows, and I just the way I sort of framed it. And, and BBC, their brief was about making something with energy and force to match the force of nature that she was. I imagine that if you were playing a video game, specifically a video fighting game, and they all the characters were the different versions of Maya Angelou, not a, you would never get like the, oh, I don't want to be that character. Oh, I don't want to be Dalsim because he's a bit rubbish and he's really awkward to play with and I can never get his springy legs. You know, with the Maya Angelou video game, you'd be like, yes, that one's badass. Yes, that one's kick-ass. Yes, that one's super... You know, every single facet of her personality was just incredible. So that is why I sort of framed it almost like a, a video game infused with manga it was sort of like the amazing dragon ball z video game that was that had all the tropes and energy and force of ridiculous fighting games and graphic delivery systems plus the energy of 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 power-ups and and and, and manga and anime so it was it, it was just like my dream thing it was using all the references i adore it was with an incredible human being its soul purpose was to have energy to reflect the energy and boldness and and power of this individual and we got to make it with a banging soundtrack it was like <laughs> oh my god this is this is a dream job so so yeah it was just an incredible project and i learned so much as well we got to basically get um, amazing archive footage and photos and video and just do a deep dive on this incredible uh, human being. So, and as well for that to be sort of almost my welcome film as a as a director and a designer. Because I got to, uh, I, I did all the animation as well. So it was all, it was a full, you know, left to my devices to design, direct, animate was just an absolute dream. Really was amazing. Well, we'll link to that in this episode's listing, so people can 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 go off. In fact, now if you're listening, go and have a look before you continue because it's. It's well worth a, a short break. So let's let's talk about the book. So do fly. So everything we've touched on here in terms of your inspiring outlook on life and really tips of how people can make progress and, and say yes and do stuff is all wrapped up in in your book. So so how did that come about? Yeah, I mean hopefully as well, just I've never really framed it like this, but I suppose like uh, again, I never want to prescribe a way to do things, but it's sort of like if you go and have some someone's like, oh, ten trips and ten ten tricks in After Effects, or ten uh, illustrator hacks. You know, if I can, if the book can be like that, but hopefully for a creative life, and that's great. You know, you can decide whether that tip is relevant for you or useful for you, or oh, that's a different way to do something that I previously done. I don't want to prescribe it as you must follow this book and this is the way to be happy. You know, it, it's, it's quite nice to almost, yeah, it's like a, almost like a life hack book, you know, sort of things that I've discovered, shortcuts, if you will. Um, and the way it came about was a very long story short, I am very lucky enough to be a, a speaker and I've spoken um, for, for 10 years now, uh, 11 years actually, it was 2008 I did my first talk. And um, I got the chance to speak at a very prestigious event called the Do Lectures. And what makes the Do Lectures so special is both the speakers and the audience is curated. It's in Cardigan in Wales, a beautiful part of the world. There's no Wi-Fi, there's no internet, there's no phone connection. It basically is a beautiful farm 
um, in Wales and it has normally about 20 speakers and 40 attendees. There's no name badges, there's no speaker dinner, everyone is together and everyone camps and stays there and as well as there being no phone signals, no shops around, so no one just toddles off, you're all there together. And what that means is, especially with the curation, is all these people are really interesting people doing interesting stuff in their own time. And it's called the do lectures because everyone does stuff, they're a doer in whatever form that may be. So that means all your your conversations over dinner or breakfast or when you're going for a run in the morning are just really natural and you're like, oh, what do you do then? Oh, I did so and so. Da, 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 da. And there's been, it's been amazing. There's been uh, uh, Tim Berners-Lee, the inventor of the internet, spoken there. Al Gore uh, has spoken there. You know, there's been amazing people doing amazing things. And I was fortunate enough to go in 2016, I think, or 15. And... I spoke and I had an incredible time and, and it's also very personal. They say, give the talk that you never give. And it's about, you know, not being so polished and not being so rehearsed. It's about the raw side of these people. And so I had an amazing time, met amazing people, met lifelong friends there. It really is. It's very difficult to talk about that thing without it sounding like a cult. But I promise you, it is incredible. And all the talks are online for free as well, which is an amazing thing. <laughs> the event is a wonderful thing but the, all the talks are free. So, so I did this talk and when I was there, they have a publishing imprint called the Do Book Company that publishes books by speakers. And when I was leaving, I was given a copy of the, their latest um, book, which was called Do Purpose. And it was written by David Hyatt, who was the founder of the Do Lectures, but also the founder of Hyatt Denham and was the co-founder of Howie's, the, the, the brand back in the day, amongst many other things. And he's a really interesting, influential, inspirational guy. He just makes things happen. So I, I took this book and was very excited to get it. And I read it cover to cover on the way home. And what struck me about this, not only was it a great book and it was very much like life tips and just great just unique ways of framing things that I'd never heard before. It was written in a way that I write my talks. It was sort of big, strong headlines and then sort of data and words and graphics and sort of things to back it up. And I'd never read a book like that. And I definitely never read a book that made me think, oh, maybe I could write a book you know I'd never ever thought that before ever um, and so I just in the spirit of being a doer I just flipped to the back of the book and noticed that there was an email address there and just sent an email saying hello you didn't meet me at the do lectures but I, I'm lucky enough to have been a speaker I've just read David's book cover to cover I thought it was amazing and it made me think I could write a book I write my talks in a similar way um thanks i'd love to hear from you you know just a total stab in the dark you know why not because especially now we're in the age of you can just fire off an email and you know if you get the crushing disappointment they don't have to see your face they don't see you cry they just they you just get a polite no or 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 even worse is ghosting if no one actually gets back to you that that hurts man that hurts even more but you know whatever it is that it's not as personal anymore it, not as personal not to say it's impersonal but you know you can basically manage your own uh, those crushing defeats in your own time which is wonderful um but Miranda, who's the, the founder of Dubuque Company, got back to me and we started chatting and one thing led to another and it was like, right, cool, you're going to write a book. And it was like, oh, amazing, going to write a book. And then the very next moment was, oh, God, I've got to write a book. How the hell do I write? How have I got here? Um, um, and yeah, it just started an amazing 
process really and a process that I was never used to and a process that I got wrong to begin with I just couldn't I was used to sort of doing passion projects and stuff in my own time in the evenings but I just couldn't I could I could I felt like I could dive into design because I, I don't know I'd spent you know a long time just working out a design process that worked for me but writing as much as I love writing and I would write my own stuff and talks and stuff but writing a book was a very different process and it wasn't until a friend here a lovely friend called Finbar Hawkins who is a creative director but also a writer he says well you know you should try getting up in the mornings I find I'm most productive writing before everyone else is up and I was like no way man I'm not getting up early no way I'm happily worked late no I ain't getting up early and then I thought maybe I should try it and lo and behold he was absolutely right it was a totally different headspace because the house was quiet um, I had no other thoughts in my brain because I just got up. So sort of it meant I could, you know, I wasn't at home just every so often in your brain to think about the thing that happened at work or that email you missed. You know, first thing in the morning, actually, the groggy head was good because it just let sort of the words flow almost. Um, so so that's sort of how it, how it came about. And uh, a few months later, I think, I can't remember how long it took, but yeah, I had a book at the end of it. And then I got excited and, and, and worked with uh, the Do Book Co's designer as well to help with the design. And I did all the illustrations and I made a film for it and I shot the photos for it. I just wanted to, you know, it was such a unique and wonderful experience. I wanted to repay Miranda's kindness in taking a chance on me and, and, and do everything I could and, you know, make it a full it's called do flying it's about you know doing as much as you can and being a doer i thought well i want to do everything i can on the book you know so so yeah it was an incredible process it was a terrifying process i i really didn't know if i was doing the right thing but in terms of what i was making but having miranda as the editor and and she worked in publishing for a very very long time at lots of big publishing houses before starting do book book company on her own you know, she was an amazing editor and she gave it form and she gave it shape and she rejigged stuff and gave me a path to, to follow, which was awesome. So, yeah, it's such a unique process, something that I never, ever, ever, ever thought would, would happen. And, and I'm thrilled. You know, I just yesterday someone tagged me in a picture of, of a book and that's a very special thing about a book. They exist forever and they aren't tied to uh, aren't tied to a time. They are they just w- will exist in, in the universe. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a very good point, and um, and the other point about the book is uh, the, the cover was done by a previous pod guest and, and another total legend, James Victoria. Oh, amazing! Yes, James is an absolute legend. He he is a truly unique human being. He is a force of nature. Talking about forces of nature. Yeah, he's an absolutely wonderful, wonderful dude. Is the only word I can use, for James. He really is. Um, so is there another book in you? Do you know? Funnily enough, I would love there to be. I've actually sort of come round to the idea I say come round to the idea like the world's waiting for it but I would I would love to and I actually what I want to do is I float the idea past Miranda but what I need to do is write a proper book treatment it was all a bit loose to begin with but I need a proper creative proposition for why a second one could exist and so I keep meaning to do it this year really uh, but I want to give it some proper time and energy and and uh, and I I feel like if I could do it it would hopefully be like a natural successor to do fly which was I think sort of aimed at everyone, you know, with a sort of a, a that wants to make things happen in their lives, and hopefully you could apply that to many different things. But I kind of want this follow up to sort of almost be like a, a, an essential guide for for fellow creatives 
um, really. That so it's sort of almost do create. You know, it's it's getting the best out of a creative situation, really. So that is my my top line, and I would love it if Miranda could take a chance on me. And and but you know, who who knows? Is I might write it, and she's like. What? That is terrible, dude. So, but you know, you don't know. You don't know. You, you've got to try. Um, someone, um, someone once said, "You've already got to know. You might as well try for a yes." You know, you've got to. You, you, there's no harm in trying. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that comes back to our earlier chat, really, doesn't it? About you know, you've, you've got to you've got to fail to succeed. You've got to get through that through that barrier. And I must also note that you um, you did this book very early in the morning. As a as a relatively new dad as well, so that that's, that's uh, particularly impressive. Yeah, that was a bit bonkers. I sort of learned. I did learn. I said this and talked the day. I learned that there's two five a.m.s. Uh, there's two five o'clocks in a day, which I never knew. I thought there was five o'clock. You know, about tea time. Didn't realise there's actually another five o'clock, which is amazing. <laughs> Who knew? Um, yeah, and it was a it was a funny squeeze sort of when my son was born and and there was another project that I did that, that sort of was pushing those times and I'm just really glad I discovered that I could get up early and it could work but then I wouldn't work in the evenings I'm 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 quite adamant to get a good balance uh, something that I previously didn't have when I was a lot younger but again that's absolutely important you know talking of failure as well as failing at projects it's failing at balance i think you have to get it all wrong to know what's right so so yeah so so it was a such a unique process and i'm so grateful and yeah i'd love to do it again who knows awesome awesome well i'd like to move on to our listener questions so asking the general public for their opinion be it on brexit or boat names is notoriously fraught with danger <laughs> but that's not stopped us asking so as usual we've selected two uh, gavin starting with will so will says he's soon to be studying animation at leeds university and asks uh, do you have any tips for easy to pick up and mess about with animation software or techniques? Oh, that is a good question. I think there's all sorts, really. It kind of depends what kind of animation. I mean, if you can afford create Adobe Creative Cloud, um, especially with the student discount, that's very good to get into because not only is there lots of different options there, you've got After Effects or you've also got, um, it used to be called Flash, but it's now Animate. They are really good packages because what they could do is lead you into industry standard pieces of software you know we use uh, I know lots of directors are still animate in flash slash animate and I animate in after effects so if you can get a cheaper version of that on student that that would not set you wrong but also there's lots of uh, tablet apps as well there's um, there's quite a few stop motion apps I think let me look he says looking at his phone there is a app a really good app that just literally lets you take photos on your on your tablet or your phone and lets you stitch together photos to make stop frame stuff that is that's really helpful um I think that's called I think that's just called stop mo or stop motion so that so just basically have any old google on the app stores really I think skills are quite transferable especially if you're just starting out so anything that lets you get a result really i think it's kind of i like those people that end up using kind of inappropriate programs to make stuff happen you're still learning the fundamentals you know of especially animation it's just bringing something to life isn't it so the tool is a tool really don't worry if you can only afford a basic version versus someone using the pro you know they what that won't make you a better animator or a better creative that may you may have access to more bells and whistles, but bells and whistles don't make something 
come to life. So, you know, I think get your hands on anything that you you can. Um, yeah, you can't go wrong with the the Adobe the Adobe Suite really. Um, or you can get three. But if you're getting into three D, things like Blender are very cheap, if not free. Um, if you're getting into CG or 3D, there is a free version of Cinema 4D called Cinema 4D Lite that is hidden inside Adobe After Effects. So if you do get the Creative subscription, Creative Cloud subscription, you can also get a free version of Cinema 4D Lite. Um, so yeah, so just basically any any tool um, really. Don't don't worry too much. Just by you showing an active interest, you are going to be leaps and bounds ahead. If you've already just got your head into like techniques and all sorts of stuff so um good luck will you will smash it brother <laughs> nice one uh, what was the name of that app is it stop mo did you say i think it's called stop mo or stop motion i can't find it on my phone yeah i think or stop motion pro just that's a really good one for basically taking frames um and and just just yeah, sequentially, really, that's that's all you that's all you need. Cool, excellent. Okay, well, um, the second question is from Bianca. So I'm not sure um, what stage of working or studying life Bianca is at, but she she asks, uh, well, she says, so many processes across the creative industries are becoming faster and faster due to commercial demands. Is there pressure for animators to use tech to shortcut and cut costs also? So I don't, I don't know if that's p perhaps similar to our conversation earlier about pix pixels versus clay or, or... Well, great question, Bianca. Thanks for the question. I don't think there is. I don't actually think there is any... There is no tool that makes you shortcut, like going... Um, and we have the same conversations here. Going into CGI versus stop frame, there's really not much in it because you where you'll save on one part of the process, you'll have to add on for another one. So I don't actually... Think think there is there is any there's no like magic bullet that will, will save time and I think just naturally commercial work has always got shorter deadlines it's always a little bit more um, intense and I think just what happens with that is I don't know you must, for example in CG you might not have as many rendering processes uh, passes or you might not the the you'll be smart i think you'll be smart and i think those decisions get made a bit more up front so when you're to take an animation as an example you or storyboard something you wouldn't build you wouldn't build a gigantic set because you only see it for two frames if you're on a feature film you might you know so i think though i think you what's good about that is you the the smartness the clever filmmaking the clever creativity happens up front because that's a that's that's a, a process that has to happen so because yeah because there really isn't any magic bullet and you know don't get me wrong uh, if you might animate something in a flip book that is going to be a lot quicker than a full stop frame puppet build photographic thing you know this the style the style can dictate that as well and it may you might want a scrappy approach but yeah that 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 is kind of then comes down to a stylistic choice really so yeah no magic bullet just i think it it is up to you as a creative to sort of decide where best to spend your energy and spend your time really but that's exciting i think you know creative limitations lead to interesting stuff yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's probably why, you know, messing around with an app, for example, as you as you suggested to Will is, is you know, is it's, it's, it's from the kind of play, isn't it? Just playing around with stuff like that, that 
that you can find little bits of magic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, someone here once said, don't make it perfect, make it now, which I absolutely want to live by, especially in my own time, because you can you can agonize over something. And, and I just think a, a, a wonky something is better than a brilliant nothing, personally. Yeah, and of course, that doesn't always apply to commercial creativity. It, it obviously has to be right. But in terms of you know, at least if that thing exists as a test or as an experiment, you've got it on your portfolio or in your reel or something, at least it exists. You aren't going to win a job or you aren't going to solve a creative problem by going, oh, yeah, I had this idea for this thing once, but it didn't happen. You know, it will exist with, oh, well, I actually had this little experiment. It's a bit wonky, but, you know, you've got a proof of concept there. And sometimes it might evolve into a full thing. I think, I think yeah, just sort of making some putting something into the world and, and iterating on it is is a good way to to go because you'll know if it's commercially appropriate and or if it's going to work for you or, or not but at least if it exists you know you've 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 gone through a small part of the process and you know what will save you time or what might take you flipping ages so you only you only figure out these things don't you by by doing basically yeah exactly exactly um so the final part of the interview gavin is our four pertinent poses that we put to all our guests so these are our usual questions number one is what advice would you give to your younger self do you know what i think about this i don't think i would say a damn thing to my younger self i would be a silent actually i wouldn't even want to be a fly in the wall because it'd be so embarrassing i think it's so important to make all the mistakes that you're going to make to to the things that make you look back and cringe I just think you have to do it. I wouldn't want to steer myself in in any direction. I think you are the sum total of all your experiences, of all your 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 the positives and negatives, the things that were great, the things that were bad, the things that were horrendous, the things that upset you, the things that uh, enraged you. I I think you have to go through it because it makes you who you are. It makes you the creative that you are. That's why if you are given the exact same brief and the exact same parameters, you will make something different. And I think that's why it's really important to be inherently you, to sort of hold on to those things. And I've got a feeling, and I'm only learning this myself, it will take a lifetime to be comfortable with who you are and what you do because you will only ever look at everyone else doing stuff that you look up to and you think... Oh, I wish I could be like them. Or oh, I wish I could do that. I did that. I did this about four hours ago. I was on my lunch break scrolling through Instagram, and I just thought, "Man, everything I've ever made sucks." You know, because that's just natural. And then I went, "No, this is natural. You'll get over it." And then, then I got stuck in because my lunch hour was over, and I actually was just tinkering around with a bit of music, and then I got cracking again. And then you forget about it. You know, it's sort of it's accepting that you all you will feel like that. And actually, what's more important is trying to accept who you are, what makes you you, how you operate, and seeing that as a positive, um, really. So, yeah, I would just leave my silly younger self alone and let me make all the same silly mistakes because it's incredibly Yeah, just, just, just be you. Yeah. Nice one. That's a good answer. It's a great answer. Um, number two, Gavin, then, if you could banish one thing from your industry, what would it be and why? Oh, my God, just one. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I pride myself on being really positive, and then when I get on a rant, I am non-stop. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know because our industry, we are, we're so damn lucky. Like this isn't work, is it? Let's be real. This is not work at all. This is not labour. It's not 
exhaust it can be emotionally exhausting don't get me wrong you know of course but take the step back and looking at the the universe and everything that's happening we are so unbelievably fortunate in every single possible way you know and i want to i want to really hold on to that as well i want to sort of hopefully pride myself on on remembering that on not forgetting that so i mean there's there's specifics isn't there there's like design competitions that exploit people that don't pay anything uh, there's there's obviously a lot of companies that just flat out rip off other people's work and don't credit them there's all of that stuff but that will always happen you know that 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 will there'll always be something to moan about i think if everything was perfect god imagine if everything's perfect we've already got it so good if we were like uh, actually, yeah, there is literally nothing to complain about in this industry. Then flipping out, man. I think we need those challenges to sort of to get us out of bed in the morning. To you got to feel that anger. I think you got to feel the frustrations to 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 appreciate the highs. You know, you got to get the lows to feel the high. So I think all the things that wind us up and are frustrating, you know, are are part and parcel of it. I I wouldn't change. I don't know. That's been incredibly idealistic, isn't it? But. I think this, the small th- and the things that annoy is like I don't know yeah design competitions about work that that feels to me that like it's always business that sort of can screw that over it's always it's always ulterior motives um, that 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 happen I think do you know what I'm now thinking about it actually what I would stop is the immediate critical takedown of a rebrand or the immediate critical reaction to this logo's changed or that I don't care. Let's all just get on with what I, what we're doing. So much energy goes into critiquing and tearing down other people or other creations or just let's just stop. You know, almost I'm kind of, I find the very act of criticism bizarre in a sense of film critics. I get why they exist and I read a lot, listen to a lot. I follow a lot on YouTube, but at the same time, why not just spend your energy making your own thing? Why are we incessant on tearing something down? And don't get me wrong, I'm the first to laugh at a wonky bit of VFX or a, or a shonky thing. But I, I don't know, I also like that it exists. You know, I, it, I kind of like that. I just feel there's so much energy is poured on scorn and, and bitchiness and... I think that we could do without. Let's just all be left to our own devices and make something. It might be wonky. It might be chunky. It might be all of these things, but it also might not be. Like, let let us make the wonky stuff to get better, you know, that sort of thing. I, I feel like we could maybe do, do without that. But what do I know? That's just my own silly... <laughs> That's not silly at all. In fact, uh, a previous uh, guest and friend of mine, Lee, Lee Davies, made he's he's a very talented designer, graphic designer, and he he made the same point that you know, yes, we're it's easy to be critical, and sometimes you're right. It might be fun to be critical in in some you know types of context, but actually, why don't you just go and make something better? Um, which which you know is kind of similar sentiment. I mean, it is it is true. Like it is very funny. It's very funny to laugh at the wonky thing. Of course, it is. Everyone loves a bit of snark. But when it sort of transcends snark and becomes a bit mean and becomes a bit like an aggressive takedown, it's sort of like we've all had a laugh. But let's let's move on. Let's 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 make good stuff. I think. 
Uh, are there any books you would recommend, Gavin? Ooh, yeah, there's loads of books, actually. Um, James Victoria, obviously the wonderful James Victoria, he's just got Fet Perfection, his new book. That looks awesome. I haven't got it, but everything James does and says and makes is awesome. So he's great. Aaron Draplin, um, his book, um, his very comprehensive Bible of his work, but also his outlook is just, I mean, talking of powerhouses and forces of nature, Aaron Draplin is 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 totally unique in that way. He is wonderful. Uh, Bro's Mind, the amazing um, Sp- Spanish Barcelona-based brothers, uh, Juan and Alejandro are just two incredible creatives. What they make is amazing. And their book, um, if you can find it, I think it's called Who, What, Where. I can't remember. Basically, if you search Bro's Mind book, anything that they make is wonderful. Um, man, who else, who else, who else? There's just, there is just, so many. I think actually, what I love is uh, Guillermo del Toro, the legendary filmmaker. He has a book that is sort of half interview and half catalogue of all his sketchbook and half. No, you can't have three halves. Is thir- third <laughs> maths was never my strong point. Third of it is um, is is like a, a documentation of all of the amazing things that he's collected in his life. I think it's called like Cabinet of Curiosity or something. I think. I- Oh, that's from Harry Potter, isn't it? It's something. If, again, search Guillermo del Toro book. That that thing is is awesome. Um, Shepherd Fairy book is very awesome. Oh, there's loads. But that that's that's a good starter, I think. Amazing. Yeah. Well, um, if you think of any more, email them over, and I'll add them to the listings. We always like to share book recommendations. So finally, we always dedicate every show to someone, Gavin, and we bestow or hospital pass that honour depending on your view to our guests. So would you? Do the honours. I would dedicate it to my son, my little boy, Sullivan Gray Strange. And the reason why I just want to give him... It's two parts. I want to give him everything I can to make him the most positive, respectful, kind force of nature in the world as he grows up I and mean, at the same time that I want to give him all that I also and just to get deep here I also want him to know everything that he already has I want him to understand and res- respect his position as a white male in this universe I want him to know and understand what that means and that responsibility he has in the privilege that he has in built um, which 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 I need him to, to know that. And I know I need him to understand that privilege to then become an ally for everyone who does not have those privileges. And I think about this an awful lot. And I think about privilege again as a as a white straight male. I I I literally to paraphrase Will Wheaton, he says, I I, I live life on the lowest possible difficulty setting. Absolutely. And I want to make sure I am keeping myself in check and understanding understanding those privileges at every single point. And I want to educate my son growing up to understand those and to, to be that ally to so he can help people who don't have those same, same privileges and just be a lovely, kind human being that operates in a universe that respects all human beings to 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 just be a positive force for for good and that's that's what i want to um you know i want him to listen to this maybe in the future and listen to his old man and go 
oh, dad wasn't very good at explaining all of this stuff. And he went on a bit and he's got a really high-pitched <laughs> voice and he's very annoying and, 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 and all that. But at least he had, he had the best intentions. And, you know, I'd love, I would love Sully, my boy, to, 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 to be that force for good. So this episode of Call to Action is very, very proudly dedicated to Sullivan. Thank you very much. As a final, final call to action, then everyone listening can head over to this episode's listing on calltoaction.co. We've shared links to everything discussed from the Maya Angelo video to Gavin's recommendations on animation software to the do lectures and everything discussed. Um, how else can everyone get more Gavin Strange? Oh God! If you if you are if you are feeling that way inclined to inflict myself upon you, of, of which thank you and I'm sorry. The best way is to Google Jam Factory. I'm Jam Factory on on the old social networks, and that is my website with all of my nonsense on it. Uh, what else? Gavin Strange book. Yeah, my book's out there. If you if you really and also if you were really just a masochist. You could follow me on the internet. You could get my book and read it. And then also you could get the audio book version on Audible if you truly wanted to um, inflict serious pain on yourself. I would be in, 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 in your debt and gratitude. And that is how you could get me. Or you could go, oh, my God, what, what Giles has done is, is give me a red flag. And I want to avoid this person at every single possible opportunity. And you could add all of those terms to your blocked, muted words on Twitter. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, of course, we will would already um, link to your to your book and and, and the audio book version. As, as a side question, then, do you narrate the audio book? Unfortunately for everyone, I do. Yes, <laughs> you do. Brilliant. No, I think that's the only way. It's the only way. Gavin, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a, a you know it's been hugely enjoyable, and it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you to all your listeners for giving me their time and. And good luck and Godspeed. And I hope you make amazing things and you're all wonderful. And thank you so much. See you. Love you. Bye. And thank you to everyone listening. Please continue to share and review. It means a lot to us. And um, keep the questions coming in. To get in touch with us, simply find Gasp online or email the show directly at hello at calltoaction.co. Yeah!